This podcast was recorded on Darug and Gadigal lands. Sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Which sultry crooner got her start singing at brothels, quit singing to become a nurse, and then started releasing records again as an octogenarian? Find out next on One Dollar Vinyl. Welcome to One Dollar Vinyl. This is the podcast where two millennial cheapskates discover the forgotten music of the past, one dusty old forgotten record at a time. My name is Tess and joining me once again is my co-host Kat. Hi Kat. Hi. <laughs> how you going? How's things? Oh yeah, good. You how you going? Yeah, how you going? Um, yeah, good. I am feeling excited because... Yes. You know what I've just purchased. Oh, yeah. We, we've been making plans. Yeah. We're going to go see The Cause, the Irish 90s sibling quartet. Is there four of them? Are there four of them? I think there's four there's of them. Three, I don't know. I don't. I think like three some of them are siblings. Oh, are they not all siblings? I actually don't know. So Okay. So here's my okay. cause journey thus far mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. that when they were in their, what, peak time, which is late 90s, early 2000s. Right, maybe mid nineties. Sure, let's go on. Let's yeah, let's not yeah. uh, <laughs> split hairs. But it, it was definitely that time where I was too cool for everything, and mm. even though I would hear their songs on the radio and enjoy them, I was like for sure too cool for them. Mm. Um, and now that I'm, you know, at that time in my life where I'm much more relaxed about <laughs> and coolness is, is irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. And and I just like want to listen to music that makes me feel good. And so I was listening to my local um, feel-good radio station. I heard the ad for it and I just went, yeah, fuck yeah. That's the like perfect middle-aged weekend away. Let's go to the winery. <laughs> the winery and listen to a pop band and from the 90s. And get our cause on. So I'm excited. Yeah, me too. As an Irish person, the cause were often played in my house. Like it was just something my parents, because they moved to Australia from Ireland in the 70s. And then, you know, by the time the 90s came around, they just latched on to anything that was vaguely Irish and loved it, especially the We we had the cranberries on in our house. Did you you listen to that? No, the cranberries were probably a little bit too cool for my parents. (laughs) Not yeah, so sure I was going to say, was the cause like about as cool as your parents got? Pretty much, yes. But we're not listening to the cause today. No, we are not. We are listening to something significantly prior to the 90s. Oh, you say significantly. Like it's from 1982. Oh, yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one decade earlier. Like don't get too crazy, Tess. Yeah, right, because it's 2022 now, right? So mm-hmm. the 80s were... 20 years ago, right? <laughs> yeah, that is how yeah. maths works. Yes, correct, <laughs> correct. All right. Um, so what have you got for us, Kat? Uh, we are listening to The Glory of Alberta Hunter by Alberta Hunter. And um, where did you find this record? So this one came from, I'm pretty sure, Ideas, Music and Books in Honolulu, Hawaii. Ah, you bought yourself back a little souvenir. That's right. And how much did you spend on this record? It was four US dollars. So like maybe about six Australian dollars. Not too bad. And what if we wanted to buy this on the buying place, mm-hmm. Where how much would it be worth? Uh, well, the buying place has it as ranging from about $2 to about $25. So I think in this condition, it's probably worth about 5 or $6, so about what I paid for okay, it. Okay, so 
it's either like reasonably common or reasonably forgotten. Mm, I think just forgotten, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can we hear it online if we want to? Uh, you can get on YouTube. You can find find each of the songs mm. on YouTube. And if you dig, I found like it's not yeah, even it's not one even of those things one. where someone's made a playlist and it's easy to find. Yeah, it, a bit hard to find. Yes, indeed. But it is there. Mm-hmm. Should we take a look at the cover? Let's do it. What can we see? Well, we can see the face, the beaming, smiling face of what I would describe as a granny. <laughs> Yeah. It is a an older black lady who has grey hair. She's wearing a beautiful floral like a shawl. A shawl. I was gonna call it a throw, but yeah. no, that that's what goes on couches. And she's just got this huge smile with really you know, it's a proper smile where her eyes are yeah. radiating warmth. That's what I thought. It's like a real it's not a posed smile. Yeah. She's probably like actually laughing at something. Yes. Yeah, I think it's so. a very genuine smile. Yeah. yeah, I wrote. It's adorable. Pure joy encapsulated in human form. Yeah, yeah, I would agree That's with that. That's what this image is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a really nice photo, and like it's a good, um, good strong look for her too. Like she's very just simply elegant. She's got mm. her hair, um, just back in a what a bun or something, mm. granny bun, um, and she's got that beautiful like r- the shawl is like red and purple florals. Mm. And um, it's like a red lippy. It's a classic uh, style. It's a vibe. It is a vibe. (laughs) And then on the back cover, like another photo of her just being joyous. She's she's (laughs) full on like cracking up in this one. She's like mid laugh. Her eyes are closed. You can see her granny bun in all its glory. Wearing a plaid shirt this time. I think she's just removed the shawl. Uh, So this photo of her is actually surrounded by... Just a wall of text. Yeah, there's a lot of There's like there. a full <laughs> chapter. There's like her almost her entire Wikipedia article just like on the back of the record. Uh, <laughs> it would like it would literally take five minutes for me to read it all. But essentially it's just I'll, I'll read you the f- just the first little bit. Okay. You may have seen her slowly make her way down a New York street wearing a coat that might have been from some Salvation Army outlet, carrying a shopping bag in each hand, and pausing now and then to check out the latest prices posted in a supermarket window. It is, however, design rather than circumstance that sometimes makes Alberta Hunter take on the look of a well-groomed New York bag lady. Jesus, I mean, like, who's writing this on her album? (laughs) Oh, I can tell you, it's Chris Albertson who is the contributing okay. editor of Stereo Review. I truly don't know how it got, the words got from this guy's brain to this <laughs> record. Yeah. It's very odd. Well, something that struck me about her, um, you know, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but listening to her interviews and stuff, is she just seems like an incredibly down-to-earth person. Super humble. Yeah, absolutely. She's got an incredible story. Mm. And, yeah, it doesn't she doesn't seem like the sort of person that would be upset by someone writing something like that on her record. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, well, it goes on to, like, quote her, and she just essentially says, I don't really want to be recognised. I, I've i done some stuff, it's pretty cool, but I just want to be myself and being myself involves being by myself. So, okay. yeah, she's just an introvert who wants to be left alone is what I'm hearing. Well, Kat, are we going to leave her alone? No, we are no. not. <laughs> we are going to find out all about this incredible woman, Alberta Hunter, after the break. You know, the first time the president invited me to the White House... Was this Carter, not Lincoln? No, President Carter. Carter. 
President Carter, he invited me to the White House, and I didn't go because it was my Sunday off. My day off, rather. Really? Yes. You turned down the White House? Turned it down cold. There may be... <laughs> you may get some economic sanctions against you for doing that. I may. Which means you'll be out of the Olympics this year, you know. Well, I've gotten... I've gotten a lot of the economic, economic sanctions against me already because an income tax, uh, income tax man nearly drove me crazy. Did he get you this year? Oh, he wore me out. Did he? <laughs> they can do that, filling out all those forms, asking all those personal questions. I think it's embarrassing, too. Not so much that. I don't mind that part because I have nothing to tell them of any interest. Yeah. The only thing about it is it took a little change I had made all the year. Yeah. They'll do that, too. But you finally did go to the White House. Oh, yes. I finally went. I've been there three times. Times, you know. Oh, oh yeah. Does he go crazy? Well, he's not exactly crazy, but I, he enjoyed it a little bit. Yeah. I sang, I laid it on him. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you are mostly known for the blues, but do you have to suffer to sing the blues? No, indeed. Huh? I never suffered. No. I'm what I'm doing. I'm trying to make the other girls, other people, understand what I'm singing to help the other girls out. Other girls are maybe afraid to say that they've had the blues or they don't want to say it. And I'm trying to bring their hearts out to the people. I've never had the blues. I was too slick for that, guys. Really? Welcome back to One Dollar Vinyl. You just heard Alberta Hunter in 1979 on a TV interview. Um, she was 85 years old in that interview. And, Kat, this was at one of the peaks of her career. Yes, the, the second peak of her career at the age of 85 years old. Yeah, and that, and, and that was not in a, like a, oh, we're looking back in a retrospective sense at this great artist from the past. It was like she was really having a moment at that stage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just the, the pure joy, like we talked about the joy that radiates from her in this album cover. And it, you can yeah. see it in real life, like in that video as well. I couldn't believe that she said that she's she's never had the blues. I know. She had the and hardest like, freaking life. She has every right yeah. <laughs> to have said that she's had the blues. What a freaking legend. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Alberta Hunter and the life she led, Kat? Yeah, so she was a runaway. She, uh, you know, her father left the family very soon after she was born and he died a few years later and in 1895 yeah. she was born in the previous <laughs> in the 19th century yeah that just blows my mind uh so she and her family like they they moved frequently after her dad abandoned them and she had suffered abuse from her stepdad essentially uh mm-hmm. you know sexual and and physical abuse from uh Many people, a school principal, a landlady's boyfriend, just people, men in her life. And so she was eight years old when she ran away. She snuck off to Chicago because- Yeah, like a whole different state and city. Yeah. Apparently one of her teachers uh, had a child's pass, like a train ticket- uh, to go to Chicago and asked if Alberta wanted to go, and she said yes. And then the teacher said, "Go and ask your mum for permission." And Alberta just hid, just hid for like about the amount of time it would have taken for her to run <laughs> home and get permission and come back. 
And yeah, she didn't, you know, ask anything. But standard she, child move. She, like, have you brushed your teeth? Well, I stood in the bathroom for two minutes. <laughs> I ran the tap. <laughs> ran the water. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just said, yeah, yeah. My mum said, yes, I can go to Chicago with you, teacher, at eight years old. Oh, very good, says the 19th century yeah, teacher. Right. Sounds legit. <laughs> and then when in Chicago, she got linked in with her mum's friend. Uh, who helped her yeah. find a job that gave her $6 a week and board to peel potatoes. And she she described, like, walking up and down the streets and peering into windows, and she was really drawn to Dago Franks, a brothel. And one day she went yes. in and she just, like, started singing. And the, the piano player just tried accompanying her, and they threw her out, but... Not long after, she was offered a job there, and that was paid $10 a week. Yeah, and um, I heard an interview with her speaking about that, and she describes it with very warm memories. Um, she So when she was very little, her mother worked in a bordello as well. Oh, yeah, that is true. Um, uh, not as a like a working girl, but mm. she was, I think, a cleaner and, you know. Um, and then, yeah, she, she started singing in this place, Tago Franks, mm. and um, – the, the interviewer asked her in this interview, did you know what sort of place it was, what was going on? She's like, oh, no, I had no idea. But, like, the girls looked after me. They bought me dresses. Yeah. Like, it just it seems like a really happy place yeah. for a runaway 8-year-old <laughs> or 11 when she was singing there. Oh, true, yeah. And it sounds, um, it sounds like they really took yeah. her under their uh, collective wings. Um, yeah. I've got a quote, actually, which I just think is so sweet. She goes, people don't realise prostitutes are good people. Prostitutes are the best people. People don't know what makes pimps and prostitutes what they are. It's circumstances. Circumstances lead to that way of life. Prostitutes taught me to be a good girl. They made me be a good girl. Yeah. I heard her say something to that effect in yeah. another interview as well where she was saying don't judge them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They, don't judge people. It's circumstances. They're doing what they have to do yeah. and they're good people. Yeah. Um, which absolutely. Preach. Oh, hell yeah. Um. She did leave Dago Franks and began singing at some of the nightclubs in the area. So the mm-hmm. Panama Cafe and Hugh Hoskins were some noteworthy ones. She was also at the Dreamland Cafe and performed with King Oliver's Creole Jazz Band, which featured Louis Armstrong. Yeah, Isn't that amazing? Apparently when she was singing at the Panama Club mm-hmm. or Panama Cafe, mm-hmm. um, it was a white-owned club with white clientele, but she had to sing in the upstairs bit. And um, she was so good and she was so well known for improvising on her voice, her verses mm. um, and like just being a real, you know, solid entertainer that the white patrons would sneak upstairs to watch her sing. <sighs> and then uh, she went overseas, didn't she? Well, first she went to New York. Did you mm-hmm. did you pick up on why she moved to New York? Uh, no. Her Tell me. piano player was murdered during one of their performances. And oh she was God. like, "Yeah, I'm getting the fuck out of here." During the performance. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's like that's a work OHS kind of issue. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's enough to reach out to your HR rep. Crosses the line. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So she left Chicago. She went to New York. She she landed parts in uh, Change Your Luck and How Come. She had parts in two shows uh in new york i know that later on she did um some musical theater in london she as absolutely well. did yeah yeah 
she actually played um, Queenie in the first London production of Showboat mm. opposite Paul Robeson. Mm, yes, that's right. She continued just jet-setting. She just went everywhere. She went to Paris and Denmark and Turkey and Egypt and then went back to England. Yes. And apparently she was a favourite of the Prince of Wales, a.k.a. the future King Ed- Edward. <laughs> Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. She was treated really well in Europe. Yes. I think, um, which is a story I've heard before with other artists too, um, black artists, black American artists, is that when they get to Europe, they're actually respected. And seen as people. um, Yeah, and and paid really well. And so she did quite a big stint over there and she became famous as a cabaret singer. During this time too, in 1919, she had a very brief marriage Mm, to a guy named Willab Saxby Townsend. Yes. Um, But I think it ended after two weeks. Yeah. She was kind of living a lie. Like she never really came out and said it, but she was a lesbian and, yeah, it just wasn't right for her. She, by all accounts, she was in a, like a long-term relationship with a woman, um, but, uh, yeah, I don't think that marriage was very good for her. Yeah. Yeah. So I think she, I mean, it sounds like they had a bit of an amicable split mm. and she said, um, you know, number one, I don't think I can be the wife that you want me to be. And number two, I want to have a career. Mm. And so that's not what you want in a wife. So I think we should go our separate ways. And so they did. Um, yeah. And she always spoke about him favorably um, and with great warmth. Yeah. Yeah. And she yeah, she they had never a, consummated a, the marriage. Yeah, right. Yeah, two weeks afterwards, it's getting a bit awkward. <laughs> yeah. so, uh. And the guy's just like, yeah, you know what? I'll I'll let you go. <laughs> but yeah, from 1927, um, when she travelled to France with Lottie Tyler, mm. and she had a, a relationship until Lottie Tyler's death. I don't know how long that was, but it was quite long, mm. you know, decades maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she wasn't public about her no. sexuality, which, no. I mean, who could blame her in those days? Oh, in those days, no, you couldn't. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. After she was, you know, hopping all around Europe and being in cabaret shows and stuff, she toured with the United Service Organization, USO. Yeah. Uh, during- yeah. She was entertaining the troops in World War Two. Yeah. And then, like, the entire Korean War as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and she, t- she told a story about um, being in Casablanca in World War Two, where she had to, like, jump in a trench and, like, it was, you know, it was sounded like on. it wasn't the cruisiest uh- – <laughs> You were so cheap. <laughs> yeah, far out. And then something pretty pivotal happened. Uh, in, in 1954, her mum died. And as a result of that, she just stopped singing. She didn't want to be in showbiz anymore. And she decided to become a nurse. And she went. Yeah, she said she was inspired to do something that would serve humanity. Yeah. She, whenever she got to the hospital, she told the hospital that she was 50 uh, when she was actually 62. She also <laughs> made up a high school diploma because she, she, ne- she never graduated high school. She was, you know, out making money. She left when she was she, eight yeah. to peel potatoes. Yeah. yeah. And they just went like, oh, 50-year-old high school graduate, Alberta Hunter. Yeah, sure. Come along. Just let's start. You can start tomorrow. And then she works there yeah. for 20 years. Yes. And then they, they forced her to retire. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, well, I mean, Alberta, you've done 20 good years, but you're 70 now. And I think <laughs> right. it's probably it's time, time to hang retire. up the nurse's hat. Yeah. Um, and so she was actually 82 when that happened. Yes. <laughs> like, what a well, I mean, like, so I'm currently 
on a journey to do what I think is a really scary midlife um, career change at the age of 36. <laughs> oh. Imagine training to be a nurse at the age, at the age of, of 62. 70, 62. Yeah, that um, is just wild. That's that's like completely inspirational yeah. to me. And just is a like yet another example of her vibrance. And her just incredible nature and goodwill towards people yeah. um, and down-to-earthedness. Like, she'd yeah. had fame. <laughs> she was so yeah. famous. <laughs> yeah. So the day after her retirement party, she ran into a publicist for the Newport, Newport Jazz Festival and he suggested she start singing again and she said, no, thank you, I'm going to be fine. But then the owner of a club, the Cookery in Greenwich Village, called her anyway despite her refusal and convinced her to start performing again. So... At the age of 82, she had a huge comeback, became extremely popular popular again, and recorded uh, three or four more records. Wow, what a story. Mm, of which this is one. So apparently she had, she did, um, like she took a couple of falls, like she had a couple of tumbles like on stage okay. and while uh, like preparing for performances, uh, like she broke her wrist and her hip and she just... You know, went to hospital, got better, and then just kept on going. Just trooped on. Yeah. Yeah, she did She did pass away uh, in 1984 at the age of 89. Yeah. And she was inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame in 2011 and the Memphis Music Hall of Fame in 2015. And, you know, something that really struck me researching her and just looking at um, her music on or listening to her music on YouTube um, is the comments underneath are in so many different languages. Yeah. Like there are people all around the world who love her. Yeah, absolutely. And you can see what kind of a person she was based on her story. Shall we have a listen to see how special her voice was? Let's dive in. What are we going to listen to first, Kat? Uh First track. First track on side A, Ezekiel Saw the Wheel. Saw the wheel way in the middle of the air. He saw the wheel way in the middle of the air. By the big wheels run by faith. I feel like you can really tell that it is not sung by a, a young woman. Like you can tell that the, the voice is connected to an older lady. But 80, 80 odd, like however old she is in this, like it's kind of crazy that this voice is coming out of an 80 odd year old. It's a good voice. Really she good. still yeah. has a lot of control yes. and um, there's yeah, such a beautiful, deep richness yeah. to her voice. Yeah, yeah, she's got a real warmth to it and effortless delivery. Yes. Yeah. The way that she sings. I get the impression, because there's all these little throwaway bits and interjections and stuff that she does, and I get the impression that she never sings the same way, a song the same way twice. I reckon you might be right. Yeah. I also reckon she didn't actually learn any of the lyrics to this song, because it's it's originally a Woody Guthrie song, and whenever oh, I... Well, no, I have to put you up on that one. Oh, it's not actually. It's, it's not? It's originally an old spiritual song. Okay. Um... So it's like a traditional song. It's a tradition. Okay. Um, I think Woody Guthrie was he made it one famous. of the earlier record, but I don't think he was even the first. Oh um, right. Okay. One to record it, but he would have recorded it because Woody Guthrie um, sung a lot of protest songs yes. and you know that sort of stuff, and so he would have been singing this as a song that was like to express unity 
yeah. with black Americans because yeah. it is like a traditional old black spiritual. Mm. But yeah, it's a, it's a widely recorded song. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people have recorded this one. But this song is um, written about a story in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And this, this particular rendition of it is a very jazzy and upbeat retelling mm. of one of the most terrifying trips in the Bible. Yeah, like an acid trip. This guy was high as hell, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to run us through um, what this wheel Ezekiel saw was? Uh, like, I just, I, I, I will admit I skimmed, but essentially God made this vision obvious to Ezekiel and there were animals there and then there were just these freaking wall- wheels within wheels and eyes around the outside. and that, So that's, it's not just a wheel. He saw... Four cherubim who were man-shaped angels. They had four wings each, four heads, uh, a man head, an ox head, a lion head, and a bird head. They were covered in eyes, like a hundred (laughs) eyes. They had calf's feet. And then there's these spinning wheels, and they're like wheels within wheels. They're made out of glowing metal. They're also covered in eyes. Yes. Um, Duh. What are your wheels covered in, Tess? And then there's like... A fiery throne, and there's someone sitting on the throne. Um, a lot of um, conspiracy theorists today believe that uh, Ezekiel saw a UFO. Sure, had some sort of UFO encounter. Okay. I think your um, uh, theory about hallucinogens, yeah, maybe a the, bit closer to the nub. It's just yeah. a terrible <laughs> drug trip. <laughs> and then, <laughs> why wouldn't you write a song about it? <laughs> yeah, and this and this particular like upbeat. Um, jazzy kind of rendition of it. I, I'll just say, like, Christians are very good at softening the That's edges right. of what's actually in the Bible. <laughs> have some uh, chocolate eggs. Um, I have one last little thing to yeah, say about on. Ezekiel's wheel is that um, – so I found this New York Times article called Ezekiel's Wheel Ties African Spiritual Traditions to Christianity. And, you know, in the way that we're just talking about, like, Christianity is very good at taking symbols and and traditions from existing religions and co-opting yes. them into and uh, and thereby converting people. And so um, there was this discovery in Maryland where they found a bunch of artifacts with which they believed were religious artifacts um, from the 18th century of a wheel and so apparently in the um, Bokongo belief system in West Cent- West Central Africa, where many of the slaves came from, they had a symbol called the Cosmogram, which was a circle with an X inside, and they believed that that was kind of co-opted by people trying to convert slaves to Christianity, um, saying, oh, no, no, this, this is Ezekiel's wheel. This is what we're talking about here. And so, um, so this song in particular was very significant to African-American mm. slaves. Huh. in the USA because it like incorporated old beliefs, yeah. new beliefs. And, you know, any any like of the African American spirituals, they're always songs, they're like so layered in meaning. They're songs of survival. They're not just like a Bible story. It's a celebration of survival. It's a an acknowledgement of tragedy and a unification of a people. So this is actually like a really significant song. Mm. I stand by that she didn't actually learn any of the verses, though, because she really does <laughs> just repeat over again. <laughs> just with a slight... Well, either way, it's a hell of a rendition. Absolutely. Um, what, what else should we listen to from this album? Uh, let's listen to the second song that is I've Had Enough, in parentheses, Alberta's Blues. <laughs> 
up in your football Ain't gonna kick me around no more Yes, I'm tired of being your football I ain't gonna let you kick me around no more So this is one that's actually written by her, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, originally performed and written by her in the 30s and she's re-performing it here. Um, This is such a an expressive use of her voice. She's got so much, like, anger and strength in her voice. Yeah, and strength is right. Like, this is, at its core, like, quite a sad song because it is saying that she has been abused by, you know, this person's hand and he's not going to kick her around no more. Uh, she's had enough of his brutality. Cool it, brother. I've had enough. Um, you know, a lot of these songs that um, so there's an early recording of her singing this, yeah. and there's a few songs on this album where that where they, she's re-singing her old songs, mm. which just gives them so much more meaning and like it's so interesting hearing her singing these later in life. Mm, yeah, definitely. And same with a lot of like she does a lot of jazz standards. There's like the glory of love and wrap your trouble in dreams and mm. delivering these as a, a woman of age and wisdom. It's so like. I, I would so prefer to hear the opinions of an 85-year-old on love than a 25-year-old, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that strength comes from a more powerful place, you know, for someone who's lived the life that she's lived. What do you think of the band, Tess? Like any good jazz arranging, it's pretty timeless. Yeah. Like, this could have been recorded by a jazz band this year. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Combined with the way that she is singing, it just, it feels so natural and there's lots of back and forth. Like, it's it's really, it's not super duper produced and not super duper polished, but in a way that's really charming. It feels like a really well-recorded live album. Exactly. That's what yes. it feels like. It's got, yeah. it has so much energy. Yeah. Um, you know, if you just added some crowd noises in, I would believe that it was a live album. Yeah. Totally. Um, so I was trying to like find out if there were any other celebrities who quit their day jobs or their, you know, their, their Hollywood jobs to like do worthy work. And, mm. um, the list is like, I mean, cause most of them, it's like celebrities who quit their jobs to do other, you know, other jobs. It's like they went into like fashion design or something. Oh it's yeah. It's not a real job. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't count. <laughs> But, so there's a, a like, police show from the 80s called Chips. Oh, yeah. And Eric Estrada oh, yeah. played a cop in that. And he, after that, became a real-life police officer. What? I mean, imagine, like, committing a crime and um, <laughs> being arrested by, like, or, like, you know, the modern-day equivalent of, like, I don't know, the guy from NCIS yeah, or yeah. something. You know? Like David Caruso. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, oh, imagine if Eric Estrada had, like, a bunch of, like, cheesy lines that, like, could have been in the show. Man, this sign-off's so good. Oh, it is the best. Yeah, let's stop and listen. Goodbye. sayonara. Au revoir. Calismera. It just keeps on going. Ouch. yes. I, still have <laughs> I, th- I always think, oh, this is the last one. Oh, this is the last one. Never, ever, 
<laughs> she's just like showing off all the European languages she learned in her travels. Yeah, that's right. She's like, man, I two of the world. I'm better than you. And just, just I could just imagine her in all her, you know, 85 years up there, just spitting these farewells out. Oh, that's the Incredible. best. Um, what were we talking about? I have no idea, um, but everything stops whenever she starts saying goodbye in 20 languages. Yeah. <laughs> Get a sparrow. <laughs> Uh, the final song we'll listen to is uh, the first song on side B, You Can't Tell the Difference After Dark. Look what the sun has done to me. I heard her say in an interview that she was a really big Tony Bennett fan. Oh, yeah. And I feel like there's a lot in the arrangements, particularly some of the more like piano driven, sort of twinkly piano driven songs. It does sound very Tony Bennett to me. Hmm. I don't know enough about Tony Bennett to say that anything sounds Bennett-y. <laughs> Bennett-esque. You can't tell the difference dark. So this song is her own song from 1935, re-recorded, and it is essentially just about racists. Yeah. It's written by Mako Pinkard. Oh, okay. Or Pinkard, who also wrote um, Sweet Georgia Brown and Them Their Eyes, which are songs that you may know. Oh, cool. Oh, well, I like, I think that the, the lyrics of this song are so playful for such a like an awful subject a bit like the last one actually just like it is isn't it yeah, yeah. so like i mean what, what's this song about so it's just like saying like you know the the lyrics are they say that gentlemen prefer the blonde-haired ladies tell me i am out of style just because i'm slightly shady she's basically saying i'm black i know that that's not acceptable but wink wink yeah. can't tell the difference after dark <laughs> it's kind of like a bit hard to swallow to be honest it feels like that thing of when people make jokes about themselves before someone else can. Oh, yeah. But it's it's just hard. It's hard to listen to because you know like that there's a really painful truth behind yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a little bit too true, even though it's delivered in a, you know, cheeky style. Yeah. And, yeah, like very aware. Yeah, it's absolutely grounded in, in terrible, terrible truth. Every time I've listened to this song, I've thought that it reminds me of something else and I've just figured out what it is. Um, that's why the lady's a tramp. Don't you think that sounds similar? Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. Which is, um, I think Tony Bennett sang that one too. Oh, yeah. I like the muted trumpet. Oh, who doesn't? I always love a muted trumpet. It's quite cute. (laughs) And I I feel like this too, this one would have gone down well live as well. Oh, yeah, she would have been winking at the audience almost constantly. (laughs) Yeah, and I think she was sort of known for doing those kind of double entendres Mm. and, you know, cheeky kind of. Wink, wink, line. Yeah. Um, and who doesn't love an octogenarian singing about their sex life? <laughs> I am absolutely here for it. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what it's really about. It's like, um, it doesn't matter that I'm your grandmother's age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a whole new level yeah. of meaning. There you yeah. go. You can't feel you the can't wrinkles. Tell the difference, you know. <laughs> No one's going to see. No one's going to know. Turn the lights out, baby. <laughs> Gross. Oh, dear. That took a turn. I also looked up um, musicians who made it after 
like in oh, yeah. their later life. Um, because this whole um, about Alberta Hunter story really reminded me of Elizabeth Cotton. She was a black folk and country guitar player and singer. Um, and she did, yeah, did like had a bit of a small time career playing music when in her youth. And then she was rediscovered in her 60s by the Seeger family, who are, you know, like a pretty big, um, you know, folk uh, dynasty family. Oh, and not from the video game system. No, not uh, no, not like um, Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog. Seeger S W G R, like Pete Seeger. <laughs> okay. Um, they, so he, she was Elizabeth Cotton was their cleaner, oh. and they, you know, got to chatting, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I play a bit of music," and then they just made her a, a star. So that's like a pretty hmm. interesting story. Hmm. Um, we also had. Mrs. Mills, one dollar vinyl zone. Oh, Mrs. Mills, yeah. who made it in her, I believe that was her like her forties or her fifties. Yeah. I think it was, she was over fifty. Yeah. Um, Susan Boyle, of course. Oh yeah, we yeah, all remember. Sure, I mean, that sure. was uh, From um, some Idol, British yeah. Idol, I think. Um, Someone's got talent, maybe. Britain's got talent, maybe. Yeah, yeah. but um, you know, she had like a like a legitimate career after that. <laughs> God, I can't think of her without thinking of the like hashtag debacle. What was it? oh remind me? It's it was Susan album party. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but without spaces, it could easily be Susan's anal, anal bum party. <laughs> oh, what a legacy she leaves. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, apart from Sue's anal bum party, we have. Um, <laughs> Charles Bradley and Sharon Jones were both on the Daptone um, label and they both, yeah, got real famous. Uh, I think Charles was over 50, Sharon was over 40, and sadly both of them, like, we lost too soon. Uh, None of these are getting close to 80s, though. Seasick Steve was in his 60s when he, you know, first made it. Who? Bluesy, rootsy kind of singer. So, you know, 40s, like... That's pushing it. I'm not it's heaps the- impressed at 40 year olds like <laughs> succeeding, but anyone who's like you know hitting the big time after 50, I'm impressed. Yeah, true. How old is Elton John? He's touring Australia, Australia imminently. How old is he? He must be late 70s. Mm. Let's look it up. He is 75 years old. Oh, no, yeah. He's not that old. Yeah, no, he's not 82. Call me in 10 years, Elton John. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, those are some old people. <laughs> Um, Kat, we have to, I have to I just have to, you know, mm-hmm. request that we do something a bit unusual. There's a song okay. that I would really like to listen to. So this is one that when I was listening to the album, it just really made me stand up and take notice. Um, it's called it's got a dual language title. It's called I Love You Much Too Much or Ich hab too too viel Liebe. Ich hab zu viel Considering all the languages she said goodbye in. She's really flexing her lingual muscles in this album. Absolutely, yeah. She learnt this song when she was performing in Jerusalem, I believe. It's a, a Yiddish language song written in America by um, Alexander Olshinetsky and Chaim Torba and Don Ray, Jewish performers who emigrated to New York from Ukraine and Belarus, I think. And this was originally in a a show, but 
I don't know. This song just kicked me in the guts, Cat. I just, I yeah. it's just so beautiful, and it's such a like a left turn on the album because it's not the same. It absolutely is. Yeah. Um, feeling as the rest Would of the songs, and I just thought, what an interesting choice for her to be singing a Yiddish song. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It feels she feels like a, a French chanteuse in this, or like a torch singer. Um, I can imagine, you know, being at her live show and just the lights going down. And, oh yeah, absolutely. And perhaps it's taking uh, her back to her musical theatre, you know, theatrical days. She did a little bit of that, performing. She had a lot of that, yeah. But, um, you know, she said in that first grab that we heard before the break that she never had the blues. Um, I don't believe it. There's so much pain in her voice. It is so hauntingly beautiful, this song, isn't it? Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Hauntingly beautiful. This was covered by a few people. Gene Krupa, Ella Fitzgerald... Connie Francis, Dean Martin, and Santana does a version. (laughs) (laughs) Stay in your lane, Santana. Get lost. That's not right. To be included too. But yeah, the lyrics in this, like the English translation of some of these lyrics, I am sick, but my thoughts turn not to revenge. I love you too much to be at all angry with you. They say I'm a fool. I know. I love you. Ugh. Just that. I don't know if you ever had that feeling of just feeling like you're, you've got too much love. You're, you're just too much in love with someone and they can't, it's unrequited. No, anyone I've ever loved has adored me back. <laughs> Sorry, I can't relate. love you much too much. Let's take a little break, and when we come back, we'll wrap it up. We'll decide whether or not we're going to keep this album and put it on the shelves of the $1 Vinyl Clubhouse. I can't control Of what the sun has done to me It seems there's no more fun Do me I must Welcome back to One Dollar Vinyl. You just heard the 1935 recording of Alberta Hunter singing You Can't Tell the Difference After Dark. Yeah, so she would have been 40 years old when she recorded that. Which is not really that young, but I guess compared to 80-something... It's pretty young. <laughs> She's a spring chicken. <laughs> it's um, a very different voice that we're hearing there. Yeah. Mm, I like her like her young vibrato. Yeah. I like them both. Yeah, me too. What a great example of don't discount someone due to age. Just based on their age. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. What do you think about this album, Kat? Uh, I think it's a really sweet album. I think it's not amazing it's not incredible it's not wondrous but it is really enjoyable the way that the album has been recorded like whenever i put it on it just felt like i walked into a small bar and heard them play live with alberta like there in front just singing just for me yeah i think the band like they're tight but they're not polished her delivery has a charming candor to it probably despite the fact that she sung these songs a million times before which makes it all the more enjoyable for me. I do. I like it. I would describe the arrangements as bright, elegant, and lively. And I think her mm. voice clearly shines through as the main feature. 
She's not overshadowed by, um, you know, jazz noodling. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I, I, it feels quite timeless to me. What a fantastic poster woman for embracing our elders. She's got a great story, right. wisdom and humour. And thank God, aren't we lucky that she got a second shot? Mm. So is this album going to stay in your collection, Kat? Yes, I do believe I'll keep it. Yeah, it's definitely a winner, I reckon. It's a good, mm. solid album. How much would you pay for it? I reckon it's worth like eight bucks. Yeah, I'd support that. Yeah, I'd reckon yeah, I'd pay $10 for this. I think it's a really yeah. good album. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. If you found it out in the wild, yeah, eight, ten dollars that's a, a good price for it. Yeah, get it into your collection. Mm. All right, well, thanks everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed this record and we would like to know what you think of Alberta Hunter. Um, have you heard of her before? I hadn't heard of her, ha- hadn't heard of her before this cat. So I'm really glad that we got the chance to dive in. You can search for One Dollar Vinyl on Facebook and Instagram, or you can email us at One Dollar Vinyl at gmail.com if you have anything to tell us about Alberta. Next week we're going to dive into some Euro Hip House with the elusive group Tektronic. But until then, as Alberta Hunter wisely says. Goodbye. Sayonara. Au revoir. See you soon. Calispera. Wiedersehen. Arrivederci. Bonne nuit. Ouch. Hasta la vista. Get lost. All right. Been told. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That's right. Goodbye.